Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Well, awesome, man. I'm super pumped to be speaking God's word today. If you're excited in this room or online, could you make some noise for me just to, yes, get the energy up here. So I legit have not spoken to a live audience in six months, like almost to the date, like March 7th, I believe it was. What's today? March or September 6th. So it was almost to the date I have not spoken to a live audience. So I'm pretty pumped, um, but I want to talk about uh, selfishness and surrender. Uh, if you're taking notes, just write that at the top, selfishness and surrender, or selfishness versus surrender. I want to talk to you about this guy in the book of Mark who came up to Jesus and he was super disappointed with what he heard. He was, he wa- actually walked away. You know, we talk about Jesus being like, hey, he's given life. But this dude walked away incredibly, scripture says, disheartened and sad, full of sorrow. And sometimes you hear something from God. Sometimes, sometimes you read something in the Bible and you don't like it. And I'm just going to say, if, if you don't have that experience, if you don't read scripture sometimes and it rubs you the wrong way, you may not be reading the Bible with an open heart. Because often, if I pray, if I open up scripture and I read what it says, I don't always like it. And that's a good thing. Because I need to be corrected, we need to be shaped. And, and this dude got a gut punch of truth that he wasn't expecting he walked away sorrowful and disheartened. And the main thing I want to communicate, again, if you're writing notes, about following Jesus, is following Jesus requires us to be willing to surrender everything to him. It requires us to do this. This is crazy important because if we're, if we're not willing to surrender everything, and when I say everything, I mean absolutely everything. If we're not willing to, to let whatever we love go, for the cause of Christ, we're actually not following Jesus. That's what, that's what is highlighted in this passage that we're about to jump in. And I wonder if we've lost sight of this idea of surrender. Many of us have been Christians a long time. Many of us gave our lives to Jesus when we were kids. But many of us have been following him just for, for maybe a few months. Maybe, maybe you're not currently following Jesus. We're all here in this journey together. But I wonder if we've lost sight of sacrifice and surrender in the midst of this message that we can kind of hear that God makes our life better, that Jesus like makes our life better. And that, that statement's kind of difficult to dissect because there's maybe some truth in that. It depends on how you define better, right? But I think what, what's happened is we've, we've developed this worldview, this mindset. We've developed this theology that's like God is another ingredient in the recipe of a successful, happy life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like we've developed, well, I wonder if we've developed that mindset. I wonder if we've developed the mindset that says, well, you know what, let me, let me eat, eat good food, let me exercise, let me, like, spend my money wisely, let me invest in retirement, let me, like, try to be a nice person, and you know what, let's throw in the ingredient of, throw in some Jesus to make my life better. I'm pretty sure God can help in. So bam. Remember that guy? Like, kick it up a notch. 
with some Jesus. And I wonder, like, if we've developed this mindset, because I hope you can see that that is very unhealthy, that that's not a biblical worldview, that's not a biblical theology in saying God's just another ingredient to this recipe of success. Because this, this is what I wrote down to, or I wrote down for you to, to, to remember, that if following Jesus is not an additional quality of your life, it's not an addition to the quality of your life, it's a transformation of the direction of your life. So it's not something you just throw in and be like, yeah, I got, I got all these other things and I'm missing Jesus, so better throw that in and make sure I'm good to go. No, following Jesus is an absolute transformation of his life. See, this guy in scripture that we read about, he was really rich and he was running up to Jesus and he just wanted some affirmation. He wanted a, a, another recipe, the missing ingredient in the recipe of success to his life. But Jesus called that out of him. He saw it and he called it out of him. He says, no, this is actually a whole transformation and a whole sacrifice and surrender of what you value most needs to change. And the direction of your life needs to change. And if we're unwilling to surrender what we love most, we're not actually following Jesus. We're following ourselves. We're following ourselves and letting Jesus like affirm what we're already doing. If we're not willing to be corrected, if we're not really willing to see God and say, God, you can correct me, you could change me, I'm willing to surrender whatever you're calling me to, we're not actually following Jesus, we're following ourselves. So Jesus, Jesus calls this guy to sacrifice. And we're in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 10. We've been going through this series for almost two years, just chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through scripture. And the, the great part about this is that we don't get to breeze over the ones we don't really like. And maybe this is one of those that we don't really like. Um, but we're going to jump into verse 17 of chapter 10. But before we do that, I want to say next week we're actually starting a brand new series, taking a break from the book of Mark. We're going to pick up where we left off after this series. And this next series starting next Sunday is called Family Matters. We're talking about building healthy relationships, maybe a little throwback to an 80s sitcom. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you tune in. Make sure you, hey, invite some friends. It's never been easier to invite a friend to church when literally you just like click a button. Just saying that. So again, so the main thing we're talking about looking at this passage is that if we're not willing to surrender at all, we're not actually following Jesus. So the context of this passage is, remember last week uh, we talked about the children. We talked about like how we need faith like a child to come and how, how children are so dependent, right? They can't, like, especially when they're born, like, they can't do anything for themselves. And, the, and, and it's, and it's uh, put right next to this next person. It, it's in, con, in, in a stark contrast to someone, a, a child who's so dependent, who needs, who can't survive on their own, to this rich young man who had everything and didn't really need anything, that he was so incredibly independent and self-sustaining and it shows the stark contrast of how easy it is for a child to come but then Jesus talks about how difficult it is for someone with great wealth to come who's got it all together and says no I got it all together I'm just looking for a little nice little spice paprika in the recipe of success like throw in some Jesus and kick it up a notch that's all I'm looking for but Jesus calls that out and says that that's not how it works so this is the, this is the scenario that that, that happens and, um, and we're just going to look at this passage, and I'm, I'm going to believe 
God's word is what it says it is, which is living and active and powerful. And we're just going to dive in. I just want to ask you to, to have an open heart and let God speak to you. So let's, let's jump into verse 17 of chapter 10. This is what it says. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Hey, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Do not or honor your mother and father. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him and loved him, underline the word loved him. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Remember how I've been talking about what it means to follow Jesus? He says, do all this, sell all of everything you have, come follow me. What was his response? Disheartened by the saying. He went away sorrowful. And why did he go away sorrowful? For he had great possessions. Let's pray that God's word would speak to us. Lord, I'm so thankful for your word that's living and active and powerful. And I just ask that you would speak to us. Speak to me today. God, let us take an honest look at our lives and give you permission. God, that's what we do right now is we give you permission to speak to us. And even correct us. And even show us the areas where we need to lean on you. Show us the areas of our life that we need to surrender. That's a very specific prayer I'm highlighting today. That you would show us areas of our life that we need to give to you. That we're holding on to. And it's causing an issue between our relationship with you. Show us that, God. And let us be willing to surrender it all for you. For the cause of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. So I love, I love again, this series through the book of Mark because you just look at scripture. Some people ask like, hey, how do you come up with your sermons? It's like, I do it the same way. I, I don't have access to any special pastoral like thing going on, any holiness, like special activity. Like I have access, like it's the Bible. So literally, we open up scripture and we pray, God, what do you want us to say? What do you want to say to our church? What do you want to say to me? And so that's what I love about scripture is I don't have to like come up with stuff. I just like look at scripture and I ask, I literally ask this question, God, what are you saying? And from that, that's where I've developed a few things that I observe about this guy. And I want to share those with you. And I believe God's going to speak to us. Maybe, maybe some of us have been serving God a long time. Um, but maybe us have, have, are fairly new to the faith. There's no way we can follow Jesus without the willingness to surrender. And this, this is hitting it hard. And so I just want to point out a few things of what this guy did. You know, sometimes it's nice. I'm so thankful the Bible has a lot of, like, screw-ups in there because otherwise it would be very unrelatable, right? And I'm also thankful for it because, like, these screw-ups, these guys that messed it up, they're imperfect like all of us. We get to look at it and learn from their mistakes. Like it's in scripture and we can look at the mistakes of people. We can look at what, what people have fallen into and specifically write what Jesus taught on from somebody's mistakes. So this is so important for us to lean into. So here's a few things I observe about this guy. First of all, he wanted to be affirmed but not corrected. 
Like, if that's not our culture right now, like, he wanted to be affirmed but not corrected. Like, have you ever met someone who just wants to do it their way? You know, they don't want to be told what to do. You're all, yep. Yes, thank you, yeah, thank you. There's, there's one person that's like, yeah, that's me. Because that's all of us. Uh, a few months ago, I went to the dentist, and I'm not going to tell you how many years it had been since I went to the dentist. But I went to the dentist, and they were doing their thing. They had, like, have you ever noticed they, like, try to talk to you where they have, like, a, your mouth full of equipment? They're like, hey, so, so tell me your life story. I'm like, uh-huh. I learned a little kid. And, like, why are you trying to talk to me? As a side note, when I got all this equipment in my mouth, I can't talk to you. But they were saying, like, eventually they got down and were like, hey, so do you floss? I was like, yeah, that was the thing with the kids. Like, like yeah, <laughs> my daughter showed me how to do that. No, and they were like, hey, do you floss? Because they were obviously like, I know this dude doesn't floss. It's like, it's like kind of like a Jesus question. Hey, let me ask you about this. So they're like, hey, do you floss? And I was like, well, you know. And so they eventually said, well, like, look, you, it's, it's obvious that you don't floss. You need to floss. And my immediate reaction is like, hey, don't tell me how to live my life. Like, this is my life. Don't tell me. I don't want to be corrected. Like, we don't want to be corrected. We don't like it. Nobody likes us telling. No, we don't like being told what to do. It's like, this is the way, especially as life goes on. Like, my kids don't want to be corrected. But when we get more ingrained in our ways, we become more like, we don't want to be corrected. We just want to be affirmed. We just want to be like, yes, tell me I'm doing a good job. Honestly, going to the dentist, I just wanted them to tell, like, that's probably why I waited X amount of years to go back because I didn't want to be corrected. I don't want to tell them, them to tell me what's wrong with me. That's what this dude, that's where his problem was. He went up to Jesus and he's like, hey, I've kept all the commandments. I'm good to go. I know this, even though it's literally impossible to keep all the commandments and in that, that was a reason for the Old Testament is to show the need for a savior because you can't meet all the 613 laws in the Old Testament. But he was like, no, I've, I've done it since I was a youth. I, I'm good to go. They knew, they knew the Old Testament. They knew the, the Hebrew law. But he was so far, and he just was looking for that affirmation. He was just looking for Jesus to be like, hey, I'm good to go, right? I got my ticket to heaven, right? I've kept it all together, right? Like, just tell me I'm doing a good job because I need to be affirmed. Like, and I'm all about affirmation and affirming people and building people up. But sometimes we need to be willing to be corrected. Like, and I get it. We don't want to be corrected because, like, there's other people that have other agendas. And we shouldn't receive correction from everybody. Like, I'm not going to tell, like, listen to someone who's never opened the Bible how to interpret Scripture and preach my sermon. You're probably going to be like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Leave me alone. But, but, when, but think about this. This is Jesus. Are we, if we're not going to take correction from Jesus, who are we going to take correction from? Like he's the, the, the dude that he, he's the all-knowing, the word omniscient. He knows everything. So I think that's the best person to take advice from is, is the word of God. And if we're unwilling, if we're unwilling to be corrected and we're just looking to be affirmed, and I think I'm going to hit some, step on some toes, make you a little uncomfortable. But I think sometimes we show up to church, which now means clicking a button, <laughs> looking just to be affirmed. And we're just kind of like, hey, I just want to, like, I went to church. I'm just looking to feel good. I'm just looking to feel better about my week so I know, like, hey, I, I went to church this week, so I deserve this. Or I went to church this week, so I'm a good person. 
And I wonder if we've developed a mentality of affirmation, but not, not willing to be corrected. Listen, if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to be corrected. That's, that's the whole point. That's what it means to follow somebody is to, to be corrected, is to be led. We can't be led by Jesus if we're not willing to be corrected. We're just going to start following our own path. And I wonder if some of us are following our own path and we're not even aware of it. We're like, no, I'm following Jesus. I go to church. I kept the law. I read my Bible. I pray. I try not to cuss. I'm good to go. Like, I'm following Jesus. But if we're unwilling to be corrected, then, then if we're, we're just wanting to be affirmed, we're missing it. And I love this passage. David wrote this. I see it, and I'm like, I want to be like David. His scripture, Psalm 139, he has this heart that says, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. And check this out. Try me and know my thoughts. He's telling God, hey, search me. Show me. I want to be corrected. I want you to show me where I'm messing up because I know you know. I know you love me, and you know what's best for my life. So I want to take advice from the best person I know. And I wonder if we could just take that, take that passage and, and strive after it. Because the more I observe people, the more I realize that we don't want to be corrected. We just want to be infer- affirmed. And that's where this rich young man was at. He was hoping to be affirmed. He was doing good. And he was hoping he had this eternal life thing in the bag. But if we're unwilling to be corrected, it will eventually lead us to disheartenment and sorrow. That's exactly what what happened. That's, That's the exact words scripture uses for this guy. He was like, let me be affirmed. But he walked away when we when we truly encounter Jesus, when we come to him, when we look at God's word, we may be ignorant of it. But we may get that gut punch and walk away disheartened and sorrowful. And that's okay to have a little bit of disheartenment because that, they say, say sorrow, godly sorrow leads you to repentance. Unfortunately, this, I, we don't know. We don't ever hear anything after this. But sometimes we need to experience a little sorrow. Like, oh, I don't like that. It's uncomfortable. I don't like being sorrowful. I just want to be affirmed. Correction is uncomfortable. We're confronted with the truth that we need to change something about our lives. Our insecurity rises up. But guess what? We all need to be corrected. So let's leave our shame and insecurity at the door and say, God, search me, correct me, because you know I'm messed up. I know I'm messed up, and I want to know from you. Second thing is this. is He was focused on what he could get and not what he could give. He was, he was thinking, what, what was his first question? What must I do to get? What do I got to do to get this ticket to heaven? Like, what do I have to do to, like, make sure I'm not going to hell? Because, like, that was, like, the, like the motivation for a lot of times. Like, man, I don't want to go to hell, so I got to do some good stuff. Let me, let's talk some very important theology here. Because I know so many people get this messed up. How do you get to heaven? I, I used to be a recruiter undercover for Lyft. It was, a, it was the coolest thing. I would, a lot of you I know because I told you stories about this. But like Lyft would literally pay me to take Uber rides. And if they weren't already driving for Lyft, I'd be like, hey, you need to, you need to come out, switch over to the dark side. <laughs> it was awesome. Like it was the best, literally the best, like easiest job uh, ever. And, but what was cool is I got to talk to a lot of people. And they would ask me, like, what do I do? I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor at a church. And they would have, like, very different responses. Either they'd shut up right then, change the subject, oh. Or they'd be like, interesting, and they'd ask more questions. But instead of, like, trying to answer all their questions, I would try to switch it over to them and be like, hey, so what, what's been your experience in church? What's been your experience with God? And I would just try to bring it up and see how they responded. 
And ultimately, I would then ask the question, like, what do you believe about God? And then I would go further, like, what do you believe about heaven and hell? And so often people would, would say, no, I believe there's a heaven. Like 80% of people when I get here. And so after that question, I would ask this question, like, well, how do you get there? Like every, every time, that, now this was probably, except unless there was a Christian I was able to like talk to and we didn't even get to that question because they already sh- shared their theology on it. But so often they'd be like, no, I, I believe you just need to be a good person. Like that is what 95% of people would say. They would be like, no, I just got to be a good person. And so then I would follow it up. What does it mean to be good? And they'd be like, you know, it's just like, you just, and they didn't have an answer for me. They'd be like, you just do good. And so my question was like, have you ever done anything bad? Have you lied? And then it was like, well, then do you have to like outweigh, is that how it works? Is it a scale? Do you have to like help a bunch of grandmas cross the street to like outweigh those bad things you did in your 20s? Like how? How's that work? And they didn't have a good answer, and they, were, they would try to shut me down after that. Like, I don't like this part of the corner. Let's talk, let's talk about something else. And then I'd sign them up for Lyft and get the money for it. Um, no, just joking, actually. Usually that wasn't an effective strategy. Usually they never signed up after I did that, but I did it for Jesus, y'all. So important theology, doing good doesn't get you to heaven. Because that's an impossible goal. Jesus said, like, hey, why'd you even call me good? Because what you're saying when you call me good is you're calling me God. And side note, he was God, but he, the, the, the guy didn't know that. So he was saying, like, what you're saying is an impossible goal to me. Like, you're not good. You can't, you, you're just not. I know, like, some of us think, like, we're good to go, or some, some of us think, like, no, I can achieve. You do not achieve eternal life. That's what this guy, was, this guy was looking for. He's like, what do I have to do? What do I need to do? What's my works? What, how do I get to heaven? What do I got to do? And, and let, me, let me explain some very important theology on this. It's like it's not salvation, eternal life. It's not something you achieve. It's something you receive. Scripture says in Ephesians 2, it says, it is by faith, grace by faith that we are saved, that we receive eternal life. You can't do anything. It doesn't matter how many grandmas you cross, help cross the street. It doesn't matter how many people have sandwiches you hand out. It doesn't matter how good you are. We all have so many jacked up things that we've done in our life, if we're honest, and it's not a balanced scale. That's not how it works. But Jesus paid the price for it. So it's something that is received simply by believing. But, but Jesus called it out. Jesus got to the root of it. And he said, look, you're actually holding on to something. And you're not willing to let it go. And that is a faith issue. Eternal life can't be earned. It's, a, it's received. And he was focused on what do I need to do to get it. And he was asked to give something up. Something that he loved most. Which was his possessions. He had a lot of possessions. It's unclear how much. But the dude was balling. Let me say this. Your purpose is rooted in selflessness. Again, this message title is Selfishness Versus Surrender. And your purpose is rooted when you take off your eyes off yourself and look to the needs of other people. And he was unwilling to do this. But your selfishness is rooted in our sin nature. I've heard it said that, like, take the word sin, S-I-N, and what's in the middle? Like, what's the root? What's the center of your sin? It's when you look at yourself. 
It's thinking about yourself too much. Even the word pride, which people have said all pride is rooted in sin. What is in the middle of the word pride? P-R-I-D-E. The word, the letter I. It's all about me. When we get so focused on ourselves, I'm telling you, your selfishness, that, that's, where, that's where the sin is. Your sin is rooted in, by, in focusing on yourself. And unfortunately, that's often our default. Our default is usually thinking about ourselves. Our default, if we're not picking up our cross daily, he calls us to pick up our cross daily and follow him. If we're not daily surrendering our selfish desires to him, we're eventually going to stop following Jesus and start following ourselves. It's a daily decision. People have been serving God all their life. It's a daily decision. It doesn't happen one time when you're five years old and you're good to go. It's a daily decision to follow Jesus. Following Jesus, again, coming back to this idea, it's not a quality, not an additional quality to the, to the addition to the quality of your life. It's a transformation of the direction of your life. It's a complete surrender and, and saying, God, I trust you with this. But he wanted to earn something that is only received by faith. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, salvation is free. Right? That's what we just said. It's, it's not earned. It's not achieved. It's received. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. See, salvation is free. We receive, there's, you don't earn that. That's important theology. But the cost of following Jesus is everything you have because you have to be willing to follow him. You know, we, we focus really big. It's like, you don't have to do anything, just receive. But that's true. But we have to be willing to surrender everything. And Jesus just skipped the question of like, do you believe? He just skipped the question because he knew who he was. He says, unless you're willing to give up all of your possessions, you can't even follow me because you love this more than you love me. And that is the, that's idolatry right there. And I think this scripture is calling out idolatry. The question we have to ask ourselves is what are we unwilling to give up for the cause of Christ? Like, what are we unwilling to surrender at the feet of Jesus? Because we all worship something, whatever we love most, whatever we spend the most time, energy, and, and, and money on. At the end of that trail lies our idol. What we're unwilling to give. And some of us need to surrender some idols before him and surrender and sacrifice. Be willing to give whatever it takes to him. The last thing is that he was unwilling to surrender and sacrifice. Like he loved his stuff more than he loved God. And, and that's the root of, 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 our, of our sin. It's selfishness. It's our things. Like, no, I want my stuff. I want my security. I want my money. I earned this. But Jesus said, hey, unless you're willing to sacrifice it all. See, the theology here isn't that unless we sell all our possessions and give to the poor like he did for this guy. This isn't a universal, a universal truth that he's sharing that applies to everybody. But he's, saying, he's, he's cutting to the heart, which is what Jesus does. He's saying unless you're willing, unless you're willing to surrender it all to him, it's not going to happen. I was actually prepping for this message in just the room over there on Thursday and I was listening, I, I, I put my headphones in, and I listened to this, like, peaceful music. It's got all these strings and, like, synth and, like, keys. It's, like, super peaceful. You know, it just gets me in the zone. I just feel like extra spiritual. You know what I'm talking about? Like, my wife's about to add some keys to this to make it like, extra spiritual. And I was, like, prepping for this, and I was actually on this point trying to think of a message. Like, what, what's a good story I've had to, like, Kayla, you guys know the, the struggle with finding stories to, like, illustrate your point. And I was like, oh, okay, what's happened where I was unwilling to let go? 
And then, like, as I was listening on my Spotify account, my kids were at home playing with an iPad that was connected to my Spotify, and they started playing all these Disney songs and, like, changing my music. So it went like, like, let it go. Let it. I'm like, what the, what's going on here? And I kept changing it back, like, no, I'm, I'm listening to this. And then Elsa comes on, let it go. And I'm like, no, I want to listen to my, my synth and strong and peaceful stuff. And it came coming out, like, wait. God, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to give me a story right here to tell in my sermon? And I'm trying to find a sermon, trying to find a story for my sermon, but this music keeps coming on. I'm like, oh, I just need to let it go. I got you. Got it. Later, had a conversation with my daughter. I'm like, hey, stop doing that. But, but I realized this question. I'm like, I need to be able to say, like, if I ever sit, because I was in that moment, I'm like, hey, I need this. Like, I need this, and I think that's a good indicator. Like, when was the last time we said, hey, I need this? Which means, like, I don't want to give it up. And then I was, like, reminded in that moment, like, I don't care if I don't have, like, the peaceful music. Jesus didn't have AirPods and the on Spotify. He did, he did great ministry with all that stuff. And I'm like, I don't need anything but Jesus. That's what I was just reminded right then. I'm like, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. If, if he took everything I lost everything. You look at Job, he lost everything. It's just like, are you still going to worship me? Are we willing to let it all go? Are we holding too tight? Maybe it's possessions. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an idol. Maybe it's something we put too much devotion and love to one thing. And Jesus is saying, are you willing to let it go? Are you willing to surrender it? Because I have a plan for your life. Matthew 6.21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is, this is where our heart is in other places where we treasure anything more than we treasure to God, than, than him. And you know what I love about this passage is Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He looked at him and loved him. And then what did he do? He told him some harsh truth. He said, looked at him and loved him and said, you lack one thing, go and sell it all, go give to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Because that's the only way you're going to let go. Because this, this, this idol that you have, you, you can't follow me if you're going to have this idol. You're not, you can't follow Jesus. You can't even have eternal life if you're focused on this thing that you love more than me. So go get rid of it. Some of you, I need to show you some love in the same way Jesus did. And let you know, if you're unwilling to lay everything down, you're not really following him. You're not really following all that you value, all that you've earned, all that you worked so hard. Are you willing to give that away? Like he may call you to do that. Would you be willing to? I was, last story real quick before we close and we're going to pray and believe God to speak through us. Last story real quick is in high school, my senior year in high school, I was, I was like really into this metal music. You know, it's like, but it was Jesus. It was Christian metal. It was like screaming really loud and ugly for Jesus though, Right? <laughs> And so I was in this metal band, and I was the drummer because we thought we were cool, and we wanted to make it big, and we, we just loved that scene. And uh, so my senior year, we put this band together. We were Christians, so we were called These Words in Red. You guys get it? Anybody get it? Remember, like, the red letter edition Bibles? So we're like, These Words in Red. We're all about what Jesus said, and we're just going to scream it. Nobody knew what we were saying, but we were passionate, and we were awful, but we were passionate. And so we legit like had some shows at like at churches and we even did this thing at the high schools like an outreach and people came and were like okay like, like I like and people came after after me it was like hey I like that Jesus music. But anyways, I, I towards the end of my senior year 
I actually felt God tell me like, hey, you need to quit the band. And now I look at it and I'm like, yeah, of course, it was an awful band. We weren't going anywhere. But at that time, I'll just be honest with you, I was passionate about it. I was like, dude, we're going places. I literally, I got a message from somebody on MySpace that was asking about record deal. I'm like, it was probably like a hoax, but I was like, dude, we're getting noticed here. And it was definitely a hoax. But still, I love, I'm just letting you know, I loved that. I was like, passion was like, I put too much. And he called me. I felt him saying to me, you need to let this go. You need to give it away because you're loving this more than you are me. I don't want to let you know, if I didn't let that go, I don't think I'd be here today. I don't think I'd met that pretty girl playing the keys right back there because I wouldn't have came, moved to Sacramento and went into ministry. I don't let you know, he will call you to give up those things that, that you love most, but he always has something better that he's going to fill it with. He knows what's best for you. We think we know best, but he knows. He knows what's in the future. He know he exists outside of time, and he knows you, and he loves you. And we just need to trust him. This is calling out our faith and saying, do you trust me? Are you willing to surrender it all? I want to close with this moment of prayer. And I want to say a few things that you need to hear Jesus' words. Some of us here need to see it, hear his words. That you don't need to earn or perform or achieve. You just need to surrender. Many of us have this mentality. We're trying to earn it. We're trying to earn it. You just need to surrender. Some of us are torn in this place. I can't let go of this. But when this man, when this man saw his pride and joy was actually creating sorrow because he was unwilling to surrender it. And I just wonder, what would the church look like if we had the attitude of surrender? If we were willing to surrender everything that, he's, that he puts on our hearts, we, are, oh, we live open-handed and open-hearted and say, God, whatever you want, anything, anything, I'm giving it up to you. I have a, I'll, anything you call me to, I will surrender it. I can look at scripture and tell, answer that question. Because there was 12 people that dropped their nets, dropped their occupation, dropped everything and said, I'm following you, Jesus. And they changed the world. That's what the church is called to do, like, called to be like and called to do is to change the world. And I, some, I sometimes wonder if we're limiting our impact because we're unwilling to surrender. God's like, I can use you if you're willing to surrender. And I think it's time for the church to stand up and say, God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll let go of whatever you call me to. Just tell me to do it and I'm ready. I want to close in prayer right now and we're just going to respond in worship as well. So if you're ever, if even, even bowing your head at, at, uh, in your living room or wherever you're at listening to this, if you feel God's asking you to surrender, maybe in this message, just honest, if you feel like God's calling you to surrender something or just this message is speaking to you with the words you need to surrender, would you just be honest, just raise your hand in this room or at home? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you. You can put it down. And if you are here in this life, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You don't have to earn anything. Just receive and accept him as Savior. By faith, you are saved. Would you just raise your hand? If you're at home, if you're here in this room, say, yes, I need, I need Jesus. I need to surrender my life to him. Amen. Let's just pray this. Would you even repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I love you and I trust you. Say, I'm willing to surrender it all for you, Jesus. I give you my life. 
Give me strength to live for you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate? There's people online that are responding. There's people in this room. And if you responded for that second call, if you want to accept Jesus, there's a link to click. I want to encourage you to connect with us that way. But let's stand to our, to our feet. And let's just respond in worship to him today. I hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.